0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Empire Sports Talk. This is Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tedesco. Today on the show, what we will be speaking about is World Series Game 6 tonight. Does it go 7 or do the Dodgers win their first World Series championship since 1988? The Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones going out uh, saga and the potential plans for college basketball bubble And more. So let's jump right into it, Joe, with game six of the World Series tonight. Do the Dodgers close it out or do the Rays force a game seven?
1: I think the Dodgers close it out right in this game tonight in game number six. I predicted Dodgers and six to begin with. Um, I think the Dodgers are on a momentum streak. They're riding the momentum. And uh, they're going to take it into tonight. And they're going to win the game, without question. Um, I think Clayton Kershaw, uh, if they're up big, will come in. And uh, he's going to shut the door down on these young, raised stars. And I think he's going to win MVP. Um, Regardless, let's say, even if they win to Game 7 tomorrow... um, or if they force it to Game 7, the Rays, I think he's going to win the MVP because of, um, you know, how good he has been. I think he was on a mission this whole time, you know, to finally covet that championship and finally do well in the postseason and get all the haters out of his head. So I think they're going to win. And, um, yeah, Blake Snell, you know, is going. But I think – you know, even this ERA is uh, not going to match this Dodgers offense. Everybody's hitting in this offense, and um, you know, Dodgers is getting key hits at the key moments. You know, they're doing what they got to do. The pitching is is tight right now. You know, they're keeping their uh, they're keeping this Rays lineup, um, they're they're shutting them down. So I think at the end of the day, the Dodgers offense is just gonna beat out the uh, Rays' young offense, and they're going to win here in Game 6 tonight. And finally, after all these years of coming up short, whether it's running into a cheater or it's running into the Red Sox, whatever the also case may cheater. be? Yeah, some may say that. I agree, but um, <laughs> they will finally get the win tonight.
0: I agree. I think that I originally when we did last week on the podcast when we predicted the World Series, I said Dodgers in five. Um, That obviously hasn't happened since they are in game six. But um, I think that for the first time since 1988, the Los Angeles Dodgers get it done. I just don't think that the Rays have enough offense to compete. I think they have enough pitching to compete with the Dodgers, but I don't think they have enough offense to compete with the Dodgers. Um, And so, yeah, I'm going to say that the Dodgers win and that the cases continue to go up in the Los Angeles County area because um, I saw an article yesterday, Joe, I don't know if you saw this, that apparently the cases are skyrocketing um, in the L.A. County area because of uh, all of the mass gatherings to celebrate um, the Lakers winning the championship and now the Dodgers making a run to the World Series.
1: Yeah, I I did hear about that. And listen, the bottom line is with these spreads, I mean, unfortunately – You know, we haven't gone through a time where teams have won a championship and people have celebrated uh, together during a pandemic. So people aren't used to it. And, you know, even though the signs are out there to wear a mask and keep your distance from people, it's just not going to happen. There's no way that you're going to tell someone with four, even three beers in them, you know, put on a mask and uh, stay away from people. They're going to do the complete opposite. Or they're just going to look you in the face and knock you out. (laughs) It's like, it's very hard to tell a person that wants to celebrate to keep social distance. And, um, you know, that's why I think the cases are spiking. And that's why I think the cases in the future, they're just going to keep on going up or just keep staying the same where it's it's never going to get to zero or it's never going to get to a very, very low percentage.
0: The only time it's going to get to – Low is when the vaccine comes out because I because the way that it's been dealt with by the you know people in power in this country has been terrible. Um, I think we can agree on that, and that you know people need to wear masks, and um, but that's a little bit off topic, but yeah, I think that the only way that the numbers will get down is because of a vaccine. And that we are seeing sort of people get frustrated. And it's hard when it's the first time since 1988 that a baseball team has won to tell people they can't go outside
1: and
0: celebrate with their friends. 1988 was a long time ago. Neither you or I was alive in
1: 1988, Joe. Really? (laughs) No, that was a long time ago. And you're absolutely right. But listen, Trump has uh, not done the best job he obviously is like you know he's not somebody that um has handled this pandemic in terms of telling people you know to wear a mask or do what you got to do to keep it away you know unfortunately for him he's hasn't done a good job even me being a trump supporter i don't think he's done a good job so i i definitely i definitely agree with that and But at the same time, I don't think it's 100% his fault because um, I know we're getting off topic, but it's not his fault 100% because at the end of the day, it comes down to the person. And the person in this country, unfortunately, you know, when it comes down to it, they're just not going to listen. Not a lot of people have listened. But you can say, you know... um
0: you put a mask mandate in in effect that oh, if you're in a store without wearing a mask, you're fined fifteen dollars, twenty dollars, thirty dollars, whatever it is, by the you know local sheriff's department if they catch you walking around the streets or whatever without a mask.
1: That would be very very hard to do. I think it's just so hard to maintain. I'm telling you, it's just so widely spread and it's very contagious and it's like at the end of the day people are not used to this this hasn't happened in anybody's lifetime the last time this happened everybody from what I know either they're on their deathbed unfortunately or they are dead it's something that people aren't used to and people are celebrating in LA like I said before because of the Lakers and um At the end of the day, it's just hard to tell them after they were used to celebrating, you know, 10 years ago, even going back 20 in the streets and not, you know, wearing a mask. It's very hard. It's very hard to celebrate saying, yeah, well, there are some precautions. We got to wear a mask and you got to stay away from each other. It's like impossible.
0: I don't know, um, and so let's get back into it, though. And so, why do you think it's the case, Joe, that in the first four innings of games in season, Blake Snell has a one point five four ERA, and then in um, after the fourth inning, he has an ERA over twelve?
1: I think I don't. Know, he just wears down. I mean, that's what it looks like to me. He's really. I guess when it comes down to it, he can't finish. Just can't finish. I mean, after four innings, you still got to go out there and pitch at least a fifth inning. I know starters today aren't built like they were, I guess, back in the day where they go like 7-8 full game. But at the end of the day, I would say a pitcher today, it should be able to at least pitch five solid innings. Uh, Blake Snell being one of their top pitchers should be able to go six innings. So I don't know. Maybe this postseason is getting to his head. I mean, it could possibly be that the pressure is on and uh, it just happens to be a coincidence that after four innings. But I think maybe because of all the pressure, it's kind of building up. And then um, after four innings, just because it's the postseason, he breaks down kind of mentally. I
0: think um, he is one of the pitchers that has sort of been – I don't want to say like a – he has struggled. I think you can sort of attribute his struggles to the fact – that there hasn't been a ton of days off. He's had to pitch a lot. You know, in this postseason, he's pitched um, 23.4 innings this postseason. He's pitched already. So, I think his arm is just tired after a while. You know, I think he's just getting worn down. And I mm-hmm. – And I think if you're the Rays, you have to just kind of keep it a one-run game or a 0-0 game until – and if you can even get a run or two off Kershaw early, I think you have a great chance to send this to game seven once it gets into the bullpen because the Rays have one of the best bullpens, if not the best bullpen in all of Major League Baseball.
1: Yeah, but I think, like I said before – I mean, the postseason shows where real winners are and where they aren't. Maybe Blake Snell just isn't, because at the end of the day, you've got to be able to pitch for a starter at least five solid innings, even going six. So, you know, Kevin Cash has to do a good job in thinking to himself, well, hey, this guy, you know, his ERA in the later innings or the middle innings, whatever you want to say, is not good. Well, let's get the bullpen going. This is going to be a game where Blake Snell only pitches the first three innings. Yeah. So I – mean, You gotta strategize.
0: We'll see what happens. I think we both agree here that the Dodgers close it out tonight. Um, and so moving on here, uh, I'm curious to see what you have to say about this, Joe. So on Friday nights after they lost uh by one to the Eagles on Thursday, on Friday night, so that's you know just a few days ago, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones went out to a bar in Hoboken, New Jersey together, um and have or and they weren't wearing masks and socially distancing, which drew up a lot of controversy. Um and so Joe Judge today, the head coach of the New York Football Giants, said that it would be dealt with internally. What do you think should happen to them for not wearing masks and social distancing?
1: I don't think anything should happen. I think that they should be reprimanded just saying, Hey, uh guys, you know we're um you know what we're dealing with in terms of the league? The league is gonna be after us and um they're going to possibly find you guys. So uh, from a coaching standpoint to you guys, I'm just trying to look out for you and um, just be careful when you go out like this, because you know, people are going to be taking pictures of you because you're very famous. So, you know, maybe now is not the right time, but at the end of the day, I don't think they should be reprimanded by the team. If the league reprimands them, so be it. I mean, they could do what they want. But um, I think that it could be a potential fine maybe for Daniel Jones because he's playing. Uh, Saquon, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL finds both of these guys. Um But I also wouldn't be surprised if Joe Judge and the Giants, you know, don't suspend them or don't sit them out for a game. I think Daniel Jones um, is the key to their offense right now, even though, you know, he throws his interceptions here and there. Um, But he is a young quarterback, as we know, still, you know, making – getting his feet wet in the NFL – So he's got to continue to play. I'm not a fan Uh, of Daniel Jones, personally. And then we'll go from there. Yeah, not a lot of people are. I mean, right now he's not performing at a high level. Um, He's really not, you know, showing any signs of uh, what Justin Herbert's doing. I mean, there's a big difference there in terms of talent. That's what I think.
0: Um, and I think that Daniel Jones can't hold on to the ball to save his life. In 20 career games, he has 15 fumbles. So,
1: well, that yeah, that's a problem that he's got to fix. Um, you got to yeah. fix it fast, otherwise he's gonna be done.
0: Yes. Um, and so I think that the Giants actually, I disagree with you here, that, that, Joe. I think the Giants should find Saquon Barkley and uh, Daniel Jones. I'm not saying like an insane amount of money, and we don't even have to know about it. It could be, you know, a press release of undisclosed amount, um, maybe, you know, $1,500, 2500 something like that, because of, you know, the impact that it could have in the locker room. Because if Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley get COVID, the way that we know that the DCs can progress and the way that it has progressed in sports is you know that Daniel Jones sits next to you know whoever sits next sits next to you know, um, you know, um, Cody Core, and then Cody Core gets it, and he sits next to you know whoever, and they get it, and Golden Tate, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and before you know it, you have a, you know, completely you have a lot of, you know five six seven players on the Giants getting it.
1: It could happen, but knowing the giant situation of them having to find out whether Daniel Jones is the answer by him playing a full season, and I guess in their eyes he has to play a full season to see if he really is the answer. Um, they – you know, I, I kind of agree where you say fine, but um, in terms of like a suspension – I don't think they will do that. I guess I guess if you look at it from that way where if they find them a minimum amount of money and it's, you know, disclosed or whatever, it could possibly turn out to be that way. Uh but the NFL I wouldn't be surprised more if they if they actually find them compared to just the Giants. Franchise. Because,
0: because obviously, I mean I think this is a pretty obvious statement here, Joe. This is a non story if we're not in COVID times because they lost on Thursday and now they don't play again until Monday, and so who cares if they go out on a Friday night when they don't play again? You know, till almost till you know a full over a full week later. You know, um, but I think the fact that they didn't wear masks and socially distance and what that could mean for the giants moving forward makes this a story.
1: Yeah, it does for sure. I mean if this was not covid then exactly, nobody cares. But going back to my other point from before, it's so hard to keep younger people from just going out in general or you know having mass gatherings. It's it's ridiculously hard to drill it in their head over and over and over and they still do it. It just shows that they don't even care and they got to be more aware for sure though. I mean, they got to be more aware of the situation. So I think they were wrong. I agree. I mean, if you're going to do something like that, why don't you just have it like at somebody's house and not out where people could take pictures of you.
0: I don't think that's the answer. I don't think is the answer is, oh, be more secretive next time. Because even if let's just say for the sake of argument, Joe, that you and I are hanging out together right now doing this podcast, which we're not, for those of you wondering, we are in our separate houses. Um, and you know, there was 60 people with us or whatever, like it would be, you know, maybe at a bar, um, I can easily be like, yo, Joe, let's get a picture together, woo, and post it on Instagram or, you know, Snapchat or whatever. And somebody could screenshot it and be like, you know, tell my employer, oh, he's, you know, partying with all these people. I don't think the answer is be more secretive
1: about it. I think the
0: answer is wear a goddamn mask.
1: Yeah, but Max, you can't, you're not going to tell a person that is going to go out. Just don't go out then. It's not wear a mask, just don't go out. You're not going to tell a 22-year-old, 23-year-old at a bar to wear a mask. I've been to plenty
0: of bars over the last few weeks once bars have re- you know have reopened. And I've sat outside and while I'm eating and drinking. I haven't worn a mask, but when I'm not, you know, when I'm walking into the bar to go to the bathroom or to go you know, do whatever, I wear a mask. And I follow all the, you know, socially, social distancing guidelines.
1: It's 8 o'clock.
0: Thank you, Jones' Computer.
1: No problem. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to wear a mask when you want to wear a mask, of course. But if that bar that they were at, you know, clearly at that time, nobody cared about wearing a mask. So they said, you know what? If no one's enforcing it, we're not going
0: to do it. But I think it's different, do though. It. I think it's different, though. And here was where I think we can disagree a little bit is that they have more um, responsibility than you or I have. If you or I get COVID, obviously, God forbid, knock on wood, you know, the whole thing, um, you know, and we have to miss a week of work. We are not jeopardizing, you know, we're not, first of all, you and I are not making millions of dollars like Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. And we are not potentially impacting an entire professional sports team by
1: us getting COVID, you know,
0: that could impact the
1: But you're trying to change the argument, though, because you said that when you go into a bar, wear a mask. I just say don't go out in general, because you're like, I keep saying over and over, it's hard for younger people to listen. So I, I say, go out, don't go out, don't go out, not go out, don't go out and just leave it like that.
0: I think it is hard for younger people to listen. I mean, I've seen all these pictures on Twitter and Instagram and, you know, whatever Snapchat of people at parties in you know, all these different schools around the country you know, partying, like it's, you know, pre-COVID times. I think it's hard. The way know. it is. I think it's, don't get me wrong, Joe, like, do not misconstrue this. If it was up to me and, you know, COVID wasn't a thing, I would be, you know, be acting the same way pre-COVID in terms of going out and stuff like that, you know, like everybody else.
1: And so would everybody else. No, I, I know what you're saying. I understand. But um at the end of the day, Saquon and Daniel Jones, you know, they're just young people that um, you know, wanted to have a good time, I guess, at a bar. Um I say if you're gonna go out and not wear a mask, then just forget it. Because, uh, like I said, the spotlight is on them so much that they know they're in jeopardy of uh, someone taking a picture and posting it. And then once it's out there, they're done.
0: They posed for pictures with pe- with the guy. It's not like it was some guy standing in the corner, you know, being all secretive. They got a, you know, they posed for a picture with this guy. They posted it on Instagram. Some DJ that they must be friends with.
1: DJ Khaled?
0: No. I forgot what the guy's name was, but it was not DJ Khaled. I wouldn't remember that.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, listen, they, I they just don't care, I guess. They really don't. I, they want to do what they want. And you have to remember, some of these players, you know, they have big heads, and they think, oh, well, you know, I'm Shaquan. I can get away with this. So that's probably what they were thinking. And they said to themselves, too, oh, you know, they're going to find me whatever amount of money. That's pocket change. I'll spend that right now. Yes. Drinks on the house. I (laughs) mean, you know, they
0: they both have really big contracts, as you're saying, you know. Saquon's contract is, um, let's see.
1: Saquon, I know, is getting thirty million. Is he getting thirty this year? Not per year. I think he's getting thirty-two in his total from his rookie deal to whenever that rookie deal contract is up.
0: Yeah, he signed a uh, four-year, thirty-one point one nine, with a twenty with twenty uh, bonus, with a twenty million bonus, mm-hmm. and all of it's guaranteed. So it's seven per year so I think it's interesting mm-hmm. um and moving on here to uh the NCA and what they're gonna do about college basketball so for those of you that don't know um uh, a story came out that they were gonna that they were ESPN and college basketball I was trying to do a uh Bubble tournament in Orlando at the Wide World of Sports, where the NBA um, had their playoffs this year. But according to the Athletic, those plans have been scrapped due to quote ongoing differences between the netmark excuse me the network and the participating schools regarding health and safety protocols required for participation. Um, and those tournaments were going to be the. Champions Classic, the Charleston Classic, the Myrtle Beach Invitational, the NIT season tip-off, the Wooden Legacy, the Orlando Invitational, the Jimmy V Classic, and the Diamond Head Classic. Um, so some huge names that we're going to participate in that, Joe. What do you if you are, you know, the king of college basketball right now, and what you say goes? How are you? getting college basketball off the ground this year.
1: I think I'm just having no fans to begin with at their stadiums and um, having a bubble, I think would be a good idea for the tournament, but I think it's very hard to do a bubble during the regular season for the college, you know, basketball uh, as a whole. Because there's so many schools, and um, how you can do a bubble, and then you can do online classes while they're in the hotel. It's to me that's going to be very difficult. So I'd say just no fans, and all the basketball players just room together. So it's kind of like a mini bubble where they have their own dining hall, their own rooms, where they're separated kind of from all the other students. And then they have games without fans.
0: I, Yeah, sorry. Which
1: college basketball in general is going to suck without fans because we know it to be so exciting because of the fans. I mean, that's literally more than half of the reason why I watch college basketball.
0: Yes, I think – I agree with you. I think that one thing that they should do if I was the king of college basketball is I would do conference only schedules like the um, like college football is doing. And so, you know, to limit travel and create sort of somewhat mini bubbles, because I don't want, you know, Manhattan College, you know, up in Riverdale. Flying all the way out to face UCLA, and you know what if there's case you know like I don't think that's realistic at all, but i I wouldn't have any problem if there's a Mac bubble, you know, and they so they have to face teams like you know in their conference, Iona and teams like that, you know, and an ACC bubble to limit travel because Iona is only like 45 minutes away from the city, you know, where Manhattan plays. UNC is like an hour from Duke for the ACC, you know, conference only schedule. And so that's what I would do, Joe, is conference only schedules.
1: Yeah, I I do understand what you're saying, where it's um, the teams playing within a region – so there's so many basketball teams that I think you're just going to have to do that in general. I mean, it's not like, you know, the NFL, the NBA where there's only 32 teams. We're talking about hundreds of teams. If you, even if you go all the way down to D3. So, but D1 in general has a lot more teams and you got to contain it somehow. I mean, it's either that or you just don't play. And I'd rather than just do something where it's contained and, um, they will, you know, prevent the spread from happening.
0: And one thing I saw today that was interesting, an idea was a lot of back-to-backs. And so instead of teams, you know, playing one place today and then tomorrow they're in a different place, and two days later they're in a different place playing today and tomorrow they're in the same place. And they flip-flop home and away. And, you know, so it's at – You know, one person's arena and they play back-to-back. What would you think of that?
1: Like I said, if it means they're playing, then I'm fine with it. Because this year, you know, there's an asterisk on everything because of this virus. You know, things are just different for everything. So, you got to do what you got to do at the end of the day and and get the job done so these kids can play. Yeah, I
0: think – one thing that I think it was interesting, Joe, and I want to know what you think about this, was that the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, what they did was they had um, like mini-bubbles, so all the Northeast teams, so you know, the Western New York and Sky Blue, which plays in New Jersey, and you know, the other teams in the Northeast played each other, and then the South, you know the the Orlando Pride and those teams down, you know in the South, play each other to limit travel. So, what would what do you think of that, Joe? Would that be a realistic possibility? I think if let's say you know the Carolinas play each other, so it's you know, um, Duke and UNC and NC State and um, UNC and you know Charlotte. Uh, and, you know, Charlotte and et cetera.
1: As much as people hate the limited travel, it's something that has to be done. Anything to contain this virus has to be done. And if it means they could play, do it. You know, do what you got to do. That's that's all I'm going to say. And it's going to be hard for uh, some students, especially in college, from you know inviting a friend over or whatever the case may be, you know to to limit that, because especially if they're on campus, which I think most of them will. I mean, if they're not on campus, they'll stay outside a hotel near the campus to get to the court or the stadium, whatever the team, whatever the school has. Um, so the college students are going to have to contain that, but. I'll tell you right now, we're going to hear multiple stories about this one inviting this over, this one going out here, no mask, bar. It's going to happen. I know you know it, so just be prepared for that.
0: I think you're 1,000% right, and I think think that um, I agree that they should all stay in one central place. It shouldn't be this guy is staying over here at this dorm. And that guy is staying over there at that dorm. And, you know, it should all be like all of these college towns pretty much, uh, I would think, have, you know, hotels somewhat nearby. Um, And so I would say that, you know, the team stays in this hotel, you know, has one floor of this hotel or two floors, whatever, you know, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: to limit the spread of, you know, the possibility of spread of COVID.
1: Yeah, do what you got to do. And and we'll see how long, because I think college sports in general are the hardest because being in college, you know, you want the experience of winning and then going out and celebrating. So yeah. I think it's a lot harder. Of course, they're younger than professional athletes, so they're more mature. And things will happen where you hear a story of this one going out with this one, no mask. But... um. If it means we get to watch college basketball, then I'm okay with it for now.
0: Wow, Reina hit another home run.
1: He is unbelievable, man. He might be the one of the best players in baseball, right? I think he might be the best player in baseball, the way he's playing. It's unbelievable how he's a rookie and he's doing what he's doing in the postseason. You know, it's crazy. He could win. He could technically
0: win the world series MVP and um, they lose. No. And win rookie of the year next year.
1: Because he got called up late, right?
0: Yeah. He didn't play enough games this season to lose rookie status.
1: Wow. It's amazing. The young talent that's coming up is so much better than the young talent that came up even 10 years ago. I mean, we're seeing – we're not just seeing one Bryce Harper come up. We're seeing multiple. I think this is – I think if you're not a baseball fan
0: right now, this is the perfect time to jump into it because every single team has really good young superstars. That hit home runs. The Yankees have, you know, Glaber um, and Judge. You know, the Rays have a Rosarena. The, you know, Mets have DeGrom and Pete Alonzo. You know, the Dodgers have Betts and Bellinger and, you know, et cetera. Every single team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to our listeners, if you're not a baseball fan – I highly recommend getting into it because you could watch – you could pick a favorite team and watch their young players play for the next 10-plus years, potentially.
1: Potentially, exactly.
0: Um, and so moving on here. So Danny Green of the reigning Los Angeles – excuse me, reigning champion Los Angeles Lakers – said that due to the shortened off season with the season scheduled to get underway on um, December 22nd, there's going to be a lot of players resting with, you know, rest nights, which every year is pretty, is like a controversial story. Um, do you think that players, you know, should rest because of the off the shortened offseason? And would you rest because of the shortened off season?
1: I think that December 22nd is enough rest for them. And if they want to take maybe some games off during the season, then let it be. But if it's multiple games down the road, I don't think that uh, that should be an excuse because they had a rest for COVID for a long period of time. So that was almost like an off-season, essentially, for them. But then they had to – sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. So I just want to say I see that that being a rest time for them um, kind of makes up for what's happening now. I think the people
0: that I I don't think should rest are the people like, you know, the New York Knicks and other teams that didn't make the bubble because you've been resting since mid-March. Yeah, that's
1: nine months. Um, That's ridiculous. That for sure.
0: I think, you know, if you're LeBron James and you're 37 years old or whatever, and you just carried a team to the championship, you know, um, I think I don't blame you for taking a few days off every once in a while, you know, taking a game or two off every once in a while to help refresh your body because – you didn't get the, you know, three months of recovery. I think a lot of athletes um, spend the first, like, two, three weeks of an off-season, maybe a month of an off-season, like, not doing anything, just, like, hanging out and maybe, you know, going for runs or whatever, but, like, not doing a ton of, like, exercise, and then the like second and third month of the off season is when they like start to kick it back into high gear but then they like just get away from the sport entirely for the first like month and just let the mind like hang out mhm and so you're not going to have that now you're not going to have that time to lounge around and just do cardio or whatever you know what i mean
1: yeah So, at the end of the day, I think that uh, if the players from teams that went deep into the playoffs, like the Lakers, want to take some more rest days than normal, then that's fine. But um, if the New York Knicks complain about that, uh, which, I don't know, maybe because of the Knicks, they'll find a way to complain. (laughs) They should be banned from the league. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that the teams that didn't make the bubble have no excuse, really. Except for the normal 82-game season, blah, blah, blah. But this is only a 72-game season. Um, So I don't really have – I don't think they should really complain, the teams that didn't make the bubble, because they've had off since mid-March. I agree. We will be doing the NFL Power Rankings again. We started that last week, and we're going to do it again today. So, Joe, who is your number one team in the NFL?
1: Number one team in the NFL, I'm going to go with the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. They are on a roll. Big Ben is throwing the ball like no other, but the main thing is that defense is absolutely remarkable. I mean, 6-0. and Um You know, they were able to stop the beast, Derrick Henry, or King Henry, you know, whatever nickname you want to call him. He is an absolute beast. They were able to contain him. And Ryan Tannehill was having a spectacular season. Uh, That defense is young. They are fast. They attack on the run game. And they get after the quarterback. So I'm going with the Steelers right now. They are rejuvenated. They – Look like they have um, a Ben Roethlisberger uh, from five years ago when he had Antonio Brown. So, and also the other thing is they have receivers now, like Claypool and James Washington, Juju Smith-Schuster, of course. But this might be the best receiving court Ben Roethlisberger has had in a while.
0: Yeah. I think yeah, and I said that last week on the podcast. I think this very much is the best receiving core he has had since the peak of Antonio Brown's powers. Um, even though Chase Claypool didn't really pay, excuse me, play well this weekend, I agree with you that the Pittsburgh Steelers right now are my number one team in the power rankings. And jumping off of that, I think uh, my number two team in the power rankings is. Uh, a team that is six and one this year, Kansas City Chiefs. They will always be top two as long as they are the reigning Super Bowl champions, and as long as they have Patrick Mahomes. Um, they got better with Le'Veon Bell. Clyde edwards hilaire went off um, this past weekend in that forty-three to sixteen win over the Broncos, you know, they, they scored in every way that they possibly could in that game. They had a pick six, they had a running touchdown, a passing touchdown um, and a um, 102 yard kickoff return touchdown by Byron Pringle. Um, So, you know, they are just a, really, really good football team that is a fun team to watch. And I think that they very much deserve to be the number two team in the NFL. Who is your number two team in the NFL, Joe?
1: Also the Chiefs. Uh, Agreeing with you that, you know, Super Bowl champions, every time you have Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be a top three team. Um, The defense surprised me. Uh, My opponent in fantasy had him, and he scored 27 points on the defense of Kansas City. If that defense plays well, look out. Because we know what the offense does.
0: I mean, they had, as I said, a 102-yard kick return for a touchdown. So that's definitely a ton of fantasy points.
1: Yeah. And Andy Reid is doing a great job, of course. Um, The offense is going to do what it does – if the defense holds, I think the Chiefs are practically unbeatable. And now with the signing of Le'Veon Bell, they have a ton of running backs that they could use. They're dangerous. And uh, watch out again for a back-to-back champion.
0: Yeah. Um, and I think – so. and so, I agree, yes, I agree that they 1,000% could easily go back to the Super Bowl. I think – I don't even really think that the Steelers, even though I put them ahead of the Chiefs because they are the, only, the last remaining undefeated team in the NFL, I don't think that the Steelers could beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. Um, and so who is your or number three team in the NFL, Joe?
1: Number three team, I'm going with the Bucks. They are – That's interesting. My- I think they are by far um better than the packers they have a great defense and anytime you have tom brady on your team it turns the team upside down and right now with the addition of antonio brown they have so many weapons for him to throw to and we're finding out right now that you know little by little tom brady wasn't the problem and he clearly wasn't the problem in uh New England, he just didn't have enough weapons. And now, at his age, he needed a team where they have a lot of star power on the offense, wide receiver position specifically. They got a good couple of running backs, um, a good head coach, and they are, I think, the best team in the NFC. And then put them at number three.
0: Uh, I disagree with you there. I think that's an interesting choice, but I think my number three team – in the National Football League right now is the Green Bay Packers. They beat, on Sunday, they beat the Texans 35-20, and Aaron Rodgers went off. I mean, 283 yards, four touchdowns. He just went fully beast mode. Um, And so I think that they are the third best team in the NFL behind the Steelers and the Chiefs they have coming up this week this weekend the they have the um vikings so that should be a pretty easy win for them too so i think it's pretty easy to put the uh packers at number 3 and so at number 4 to i'm going to say the seattle seahawks they just lost on sunday night football it was a very exciting game i don't know if you saw it joe but very exciting very back and forth game they almost won they almost lost they almost won they almost lost before they lost to be to fall to five and one it was their first loss of the season but i don't hate to take that away from them too much because it was a hard-fought game and i think And they had the 49ers coming up, who are playing very well recently. Um, A few wins in a row, four and three. Uh, But, yeah, I think that they are the fourth best team in the NFL. Russell Wilson is still, in my opinion, despite the loss, the NFL offensive MVP. So, yeah, what do you think, Joe? Who is your number four team in the NFL?
1: I'm going to go with the Packers Um, Aaron Rodgers is back He has a rolling offense Uh, The only worry that I have With them is not their defense But it's when they're down Big are they able to come Back Um, You know we saw the Packers a couple of Weeks ago they were down big And you know it kind Of looked like the team just deflates After being down By a lot Um, But you know, with Aaron Jones as your running back, he is a beast running the ball and catching the ball from Rodgers. Uh, you know, he's got a ton of weapons. The chemistry between him and the head coach are working, and their defense is great. So as long as they could get out to an early start, early lead, the Packers are the top team in the NFL. And they can compete with uh a team like the Chiefs, in my opinion, because of Rodgers' experience.
0: I think that would be an amazing Super Bowl.
1: I agree. Yeah, I that's think the that thing. If he was there and uh, they get out to an early start, look out. They can even beat the Chiefs if they really wanted to. That's how good they are.
0: I think that's interesting. Um, I think – or and so I would love to see Aaron Rodgers battling Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I like, think that would be so much fun. Um, and so, my number five team in the National Football League is the five and one Baltimore Ravens. They just signed Des Bryant, um, so we'll see if he can stay healthy. They barely beat the Eagles this past weekend, but they are on a three game winning streak. They're only lost coming in a blowout fashion to the Chiefs. Um, They're very quietly, I think, being one of the – they're very quietly one of the best teams in the NFL. I, like, nobody's really talking about them. They haven't, you know, played tremendously well. For, you know, they only won by two over the – Eagles, but Lamar still has 1,135 passing yards, 346 rushing yards. Marcus Peters on the defensive end has two interceptions. You know, Hollywood Brown is playing well with 367 yards. Mark Andrews has five touchdowns. Like, they are very – I think nobody is really talking about them as a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and I think that's disgraceful to them. You know, I think that's disrespectful. Excuse me to the Baltimore Ravens?
1: Yeah, at the end of the day, um, you know, the Ravens had a chance last year to make a big run in the playoffs, but I think being Lamar's first year, um, they, you know, just kind of felt the pressure and uh, ran into a team with more momentum. But – we know the capability of Lamar Jackson. This is Michael Vick 2.0. When he gets going, that whole offense is going, and the team just starts to, you know, pile up like a snowball. Yes. So I do agree with you. I think the Ravens are the um, the number. Actually, no. Let's let's rewind. I'm sorry. Well, Max, that's an interesting take there. Um, hey, listen, you can't go wrong with the Ravens in your top five, but with the way they played against a tough Seattle team um, at home, the Arizona Cardinals, I think, deserve to be on this top five. Kyla Murray's legit. Yeah. Um, their head coach is doing a great, great job. I think – You know, this team, with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins, I think they're a real, legit competitor. Kyler Murray is that good. He is a superstar in the making. And, you know, a couple of years ago, Josh Rosen was there as a quarterback. The GM said, you know what, this is not going to work. They went after Kyler Murray, even though they thought they had a future quarterback. And they turn out to be right because in year two right now, Kyler Murray is rolling and he is on fire right now. Cardinals at five and two. They making a lot of noise on my number five team. Yeah, I think
0: they are interesting. I think they are a very well-coached team. They're firing at all cylinders. They obviously won that trade um, when they traded for DeAndre Hopkins um, and so I think that's a legitimate team, but I think that the Ravens are a better football team right now than the, um, uh, Arizona Cardinals. And-
1: so that wraps up our podcast here on the 27th of October, heading into November. Uh, a week from today is election day. Might have a new president or Trump might get reelected. We don't know, but on our next pod, um, you know, we will find out. And by that time, um, Max O'Neill will have moved in to Colorado for his new sports job um, as a sports reporter. Uh, we wish you the best of luck, Max. Um, you know, you going out there to Colorado is going to be something special. I think you do great. And uh, NYC will definitely miss you.
0: Thank you, buddy, and uh, Joe, you uh, got a promotion at work today, so we'll see if we know the next president, but yeah, you got a promotion at work today or earlier this week, um, so congratulations on that one. Uh, nice. Well-deserved, well buddy. Um, so this was a fun podcast. Thank you to everybody for tuning in, and we will... Yeah, we'll definitely, I think next week, if we do know the president, by the time we record next week, we will talk about that, because I think it does intercede with sports a little bit, Um, and so, yeah, we'll talk about that um, through a COVID lens, especially, Um, and so thank you for joining us here. This has been Max O'Neill alongside Joe Tedesco.
1: See you next time. Max, see you next time from Colorado.
0: Yep. Thank you, everybody.